irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Welcome back to another Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of Max and Friends. Wherever you're tuning in from, welcome. I'm here almost 14 years. Where have you been? Well, what I know for sure is that where we are right now is exactly where we're supposed to be, and that's listening to Max and Friends. And if you're tuning in to LA Talk Radio, welcome here to my homepage, to the house of LA Talk Radio. Um, and thank you for joining me. Tweet me at Max Tucci, Instagram me at Max Tucci or at Max Tucci Radio on Instagram. Keep in touch. Let me know what's going on in your life. And let me know who you want to have on the show. You know, we're always looking for guests to have on Max and Friends because what we want to do is just tell people, we hear you, we see you, you matter. That's really the, the whole basis of the show. So before we get into the show, we've got a great one tonight, today, whether you're tuning in on all podcasting platforms or right here on LA Talk Radio. We're going to talk about a really great book called Boundless Leadership. What does that mean to you? Hashtag boundless leadership and let me know. The breakthrough method to realize your vision, empower others, and ignite positive change. You know, that's what we do here on Max and Friends every Sunday. For all those of you tuning in, you know the deal. So we've got some great guests coming up in just a minute. Joe Luizzo is going to join us and Elazar Aslan is going to be here. And we're going to talk about this wonderful new book called Boundless Leadership. And how can you be a boundless leader? And we're going to break that word, those words down. But before we break those down, let's take a minute just to be still and know. Ah, how was your Thanksgiving? It's over. <laughs> well, technically it's not because I'm recording this show so that we can bring you a live show on Sunday and it's Wednesday. But Thanksgiving in, in the world of radio and podcasting has happened. So I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And not only a Thanksgiving, but just some time to reflect, to be grateful, to be thankful for what you have, who you have in your life, and what you want in your life. That's a big thing. What is it that you want in your life? Well, Thanksgiving, we have so many people at the farm this year, at the Monica Farm. You know, I've been talking to you about it for so long, and family is flying in and training in and driving in, so it's going to be, it has been a full house, <laughs> we'll put it that way of guests and i'm sure that all of you who are entertaining this year and hosting your thanksgiving you just want to put your feet up and get a good foot massage relax and be grateful that it's over or maybe you want to be grateful that you have people staying longer so you know there's a duality to it all and just enjoy it let it all unfold naturally life every minute unfold naturally beautifully like it does so speaking of hosting you know my book the delmonico way the cookbook is like it's it's winding down the road and getting ready to be shipped off to be printed. So we're busily working on that. And I have some uh, wonderful things that uh, surprises 
that I want to tell you all about coming in the coming months. So stay tuned to Max and Friends. Again, tweet me at Max Tucci, Instagram me at Max Tucci. Let's keep in touch. And also, I've got to let you know that um, I'm going to be on HGTV with Lara Spencer. We did a fun episode here of Everything But The House, which will be airing, I believe, in April, but I'm dropping it now so you all know. And then I did a wonderful book on meditation um, with Sacred Stories. So I'll keep you all in the loop of all those things. And um, remember, one of the shows that I produce here on on LA Talk Radio is The Polished Woman every Monday at 1 p.m., award-winning show with the host Jessica Arbunovac. So I'm just letting you all know that there's a lot going on, and I'm grateful for that. But I want to be a boundless leader. You know, here I have a great crew of people, JoJo, my producer, Sam, of course, who operates everything here at LA Talk Radio. We have a great team. You know, there's over the years, there's been Ronan and and Sam has always been here and JoJo's been with me and Wendy's been with me and co-hosts over the years. And so, you know, I've got to just give a big shout out to all of them and I'm grateful for you all. So without any further ado, let's get into tonight's show because you're going to learn how to be a boundless leader. Boundless leadership is the book. I want you to take note because this is a life class on Max and Friends. Get ready to learn the breakthrough method to realize your vision, empower others, and ignite positive change. Go get the book now on all uh, Amazon and just go find it. Find the book, Boundless Leadership. So we have two guests here tonight, co-authors. Joe and Elazar. Joe and Elazar, welcome to Max and Friends. Thank you, Max. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being inviting us. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, Joe, we're, you know, because we have two of you here, we're going to, Joe, I'm going to let you go first. We're going to talk about who you both are first and set the scene. And, and then we're going to get into the book and how we can, uh, we can excel uh, by reading this book. So, Joe, tell us a little about your genesis, your background, and what brought you to this now moment of writing a book this book? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a uh, therapist, uh, a uh, meditation researcher, um, but how I found my way into the world of uh, uh, transformation through, especially through the arts of, of contemplative practice and the new science is, it goes back to my childhood, as you're, as you're suggesting, I had a, a double blind experiment when I, when I grew up, because my dad was becoming a psychiatrist, and sort of, you know, uh, both my parents raised in sort of Italian Catholic culture. My mom was becoming a history teacher. And he became more and more sort of modern and science-based and moved away from the spiritual. My mom got sort of more deeply rooted in her tradition from Southern Italy and and the spiritual, you know, uh, ways that she soothed herself. And, and I saw the two of them develop in very different paths. He started burning out over time, getting super stressed and busy. She seemed to age like a fine wine, get more grounded, inner peace, and sort of really became a pillar of, of strength. And I figured, well, you know, I like what my father does. He was a, a talk therapist, so that seemed kind of cool, sitting around talking to people for a living. Um, but I didn't want to burn out. So I thought, I need to bring some of that contemplative stuff and some of the sort of spiritual sort of mindset and values and so on into therapy and into the world of, of health. So that's how I got here. I mean, I've been working on this for a number of decades, I have to say, and slowly the world has become very interested. Mm. You know, it's interesting because my grandmother, when I was 13 years old, so I'm 43 now, but my grandmother was a yoga teacher. She was a meditation teacher. She was a pilot, a tango dancer. And at 13, she started me on meditation. 
So for me, it's always been something that as a child I was doing, and I never understood why more people didn't do it, <laughs> you know? Mm. And I was always questioning, why don't you meditate? And people are like, what do you know at 13 about meditation? So it was, you know, it was been an interesting journey to exactly to your point of more people are are getting into it. And, and with apps like Calm today, we can just get an app and, you know, have a meditative journey. But how does that really help us with our everyday life? And do we get stuck in meditation? But Joe, I mean, I would like to ask you about the um, the Nalanda Institute. Tell me a little bit about, about the Institute and how it was birthed. Well, it grew out of, uh, you know, my attempts uh, to sort of bring together these two, what, two worlds that had been very disparate when I started out, the world of contemplative science and and practice and the world of healing and psychology and well-being. Um, and I started doing that here at uh, in New York City, where I'm based, uh, at New York Hospital, uh, the Columbia University Hospital, um, and started a center for meditation and healing. And out of that, really what I discovered was it was actually fairly hard to robustly sort of develop a space for meditation and healing in a very busy academic corporate hospital. So uh -huh. I brought it out into the into the real world, and and uh, we sort of named it after a great uh, learning center in ancient India, which brought contemplative practice and science into the mainstream in India a long, long time ago, right? And so that was my inspiration: is this how can we be a funnel for this great ancient tradition, um, and and its new dialogue with modern science, which is showing. Hey, these people were really onto something and they were talking about how we can well promote health and well-being, but also sustain our, our peak capacities and performance, our full potential. Um, and that's really uh, what the Institute is all about is sort of being a bridge to sort of help these ancient, uh, you know, the science and the wisdom and the practices infuse them into modern life. And, and we focus, one of the areas we focus on is leadership and how everybody needs to lead them. In this world, everybody needs to lead themselves. Uh, and of course, we need to be able to sort of have a whole new approach to dealing with the complexity of, of our lives today. Mm, so true. So Alizar, welcome to the show. And tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into, into this whole world of authorship and writing and co-authoring and how you met Joe. Okay, beautiful. Um, yeah, you know, I started my career in business in a pretty traditional way. I got my MBA from Wharton. I went to iconic companies, uh, working my way through in management, you know, doing fairly well, but always feeling that something's amiss. Something wasn't really making sense to me. So I, I came at it from different angles. So I, I left being an executive and, uh, started my own firm. Uh, I did some work at uh, startups and eventually I became an executive advisor and a, and a coach. And in that time, in that span, um, you know, there are two major insights that were kind of developing for me. One was that, you know, companies really are not structured or designed and the protocols and processes aren't really about bringing out the best in people. It's more about this, you know, survival of the fittest, you know, being in this jungle. I remember when I was working in American Express, you know, they were proud the recruiting film was literally being in a jungle and only a few get to survive. And are you good enough to be one of the few? So there's this mentality of, 
of deprivation and only one or two can make it and the rest of you will not get thrown off the island, you know? And so for a long time, I was thinking like, wait, like how do people bring their best? They bring their, their most feared, uh, fearful, their most competitive, their most me against you mentality. And how is the organization really going to grow like that? So that, that rattled in my head for some years. The, the second um, insight I had was, you know, when I went, when I was getting my MBA, you learn how to do strategy. And so I thought, hey, I'm going to go into companies and do strategy. It's all about uh, figuring out the right moves. Then I learned, man, it's not really strategy. It's about execution. You know, they have the best strategies, but the companies that succeed or the departments that succeed are the ones that can execute. But then what's the limitation to the execution? So after some years, I, I came to realize my second insight that, you know, an organization or a team or, or a workplace is really driven by the leader, as we would expect. But but the leader is completely um, limited by some of his or her own demons, by some of their past beliefs, their biases, their, their judgments, um, their, their strong inner critic. So it all ends up being, you know, not the strategy, not the execution, but the leader's, frankly, self-awareness. And this was all new thinking for me, at least, and it certainly was not in the workplace at the time. And Joe and I, how do we meet? Oh, I was reading an article uh, in a magazine that Joe had um, written. And I said, I really like the way this guy thinks. And I really like what he has to offer. So I got in touch with him and we, we kind of connected, um, you know, at that point. But then our relationship got deeper and deeper. And at some point I went to Joe and I said, listen, look, we got to bring the, we're both conscious people. You know, Joe comes at it from his own personal history and I come at it from mine. But that was certainly uh, something we had in common. So at some point uh, in our relationship, I came to Joe. I also went to his initial Nalanda uh, Institute programs. Um, I think that's the other thing that happened. And so I went to Joe and said, we got to bring your scholarly understanding, your scientific knowledge, the things that you're teaching. It's not really happening in business. So let's collaborate and bring it to business. And then what happened, Max, is um, our collaboration led to the Boundless Leadership Program. It's actually a six-month program that we offer. Um, and I, you know, we say leaders, and as Joe mentioned, we're all leaders of ourselves, leaders of our family, of our relationships. We're, we all have this part we play. So it's not just about being a leader of a big, you know, corporation. And it's also right. not about business, right? It, it, because, right. you know, you could be an artist. You could be, you, you're an yeah. entrepreneur and an artist <laughs> and a meditator. All those things, you know. So wherever you are in your life, there's a part of your life that's about work. And how do you reduce the stress and the pain? And how do you bring the best of you? How do you offer that in the workplace? So we have the six-month program. Um, and we do it every year, and it's um, uh, you know it's a beautiful uh, journey for us and the cohort we work with. Um, but how do we get to more people? Let's turn the program okay. into a book. So the book is really uh, based on the program. Uh, That's one of the things that that if I may, I just kind of finish sure. the thought with you know um, one of the things I personally love about the book is that many books are written 
to download information, you know, to teach you something, to inform you about something. But this book is really more like a manual from the program that's designed to transform who you are. You know, it's not to give you more information. It's to give you the pieces that will allow you through practice to become more of your potential than, than you are at this point. Um, so that's, that's the genesis of the book. I love the genesis of the book. And, you know, I think sometimes we need to take this even further back instead of business and start teaching this in school and in high school and also in, you know, in, in middle school to start teaching meditation, to start teaching ways to reduce stress, to start preparing us for, for really being great leaders. So, Joe, how do, we, how do we disrupt the patterns and pathology of American schooling to say, listen, we need to bring in some meditation into school? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And, uh, you know, it's happening slowly over time. Certainly a lot of our programs are things that we've, uh, we've offered in schools, but of course schools are in, 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 you know, institutions that are in such disarray right now um, uh -huh. that, you know, it's going to take time. And so for now we have a school that's kind of like an after school or a, <laughs> or a, a kind of school for well-being because the institutions themselves uh, aren't always functioning that way. I mean, we do have to challenge the consensus and, you know, on every front, like we do this, you know, we have programs that, that address, you know, how, how people are educated and trained in business, how they're educated and trained in mental health or well-being, how they're educated and trained in caregiving, humanitarian aid, because it's all, in a sense, the same disease. We've been living off stress and the dirty energy of stress and the whole mindset of education with the skill and drill and and the kind of, as you know, uh, as my, my son tells me, you know, I can easily get all this stuff off the internet. What do I have to stay up until three o'clock in the morning for? You know, <laughs> so it just, our, it, it, what the change that needs to happen in schools is very similar to the kind of change that needs to happen in our other institutions because the consensus has been the same that a certain fund of knowledge and skills is what's going to drive our individual success and happiness. And now, we know the science shows us our the crises in the world with systemic, you know, racism and and inequality and climate crisis and Lord knows what else. Um, you know that the, there's something wrong with the way we're doing business. There's something wrong uh -huh. with the way we're educating people, trying to heal people, et cetera. And uh -huh. so, this is a fundamentally different way that that trying to take the stress out of. Uh, our yeah. way of being and trying to shift our fundamental way of being from from just surviving to what we call thriving, uh, learning how to how to tap into that sort of extra capacity that we're not using because we're too locked down in fear and, mm -hmm. and you know uh, you know uh, uh, you know sort of pushing and and so on and so forth. You know, that became my mantra for the longest time. I don't survive, I thrive. And I like that mm. became a practice in my life. So I totally understand where you're coming from with that. And it was a massive paradigm shift for me to understand that, okay, do I survive or do I thrive? And survive kind of takes on a little bit of a, a victim mentality where you thrive is like, no matter what you go through, you know you can be the best. I want to break down the title of the book. Before I do that, I have to let everyone know I'm your host, Max Tucci. You're listening to Max and Friends. We're talking about the book, Boundless Leadership and the breakthrough method to realize your vision, empower others, and ignite positive change. So, Joe, Mike, I'm going to throw to you this question. How do we realize our vision? 
how is the, how how can we make that into a practice realizing our vision and turning our daydreams into realities yeah that's a that's a big one <laughs> and of course part of it has to do with this sort of the prep work right so we have to build the foundation for us to become more self-aware individuals to feel more safe in our connection with the world and other humans and based on those foundations, which we call the disciplines of this discipline of mind and the discipline of heart, we can really start to reinvent ourselves because we, we all sort of, we, some of us think we forgot how to daydream or imagine or visualize, but we all, we, we have that potential. It's always there. Our creativity is always there, but it, it gets locked down if we're living in survival mode and fear and, and hurt and, and anger. So, we need to have those preliminary foundations of what, getting a taste for well-being in our mindset and in our heart. Um, and then we can start to really, the, the critical factor in being able to, to dream big is to be able to really dream, uh, re-dream re, re yourself. And, and that mm -hmm. starts from really acknowledge because we're at the center of any vision we have. So if we don't change, like wherever you go, there you are. If we don't change mm -hmm. our sense of what we're capable of and we're living in, sort of insecurity and scarcity, like, am I good enough? Or, you know, can I, or did, what did I do wrong? Then that sort of core shame or insecurity is limiting our ability to tap into the real passion and, and flow and enthusiasm that that's where vision comes from. So we have yeah. to be able to sort of get to that sort of inner source groundswell of vision and start by re-envisioning ourselves. And, and because of the way humans develop, because of how sociable we are, we actually learn to envision ourselves in large part in the mirror of our relationships with others. So mm -hmm. one of the keys that we use in this is we start by supplying ourselves with a real, uh, you know, visceral sense of all the people that have inspired us and, and currently are mentors or examples or role models of the way we want to be. And, and sort of driving off that energy, we then try to stretch our sense of ourselves and think, you know, what if I were, you know, maybe, maybe I'm really, you know, have all of their capacity and, and then some, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, we're trying to break out of our, of our straitjacket of, of inadequacy or self-criticism. And, and then from there, really think about how we can connect with others from that place. And that's the vision is the impact we have on the world from that place where we're really tapping into our, our better than best, like, our, you know, dreaming beyond our, our uh, current sense of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I always say once a dream comes true, we have to dream bigger. And my grandmother always mm -hmm. taught me that we should never regret things in life that we've done, but regret what we haven't done. So keep reaching to mm -hmm. do them. But Alazar, uh, I would like to ask you, what does it mean to empower others? Yeah, that's a great question, Max. Um, so, you know, on the, on the surface, empowering empowering others means allowing them to come out at their best right? We're empowered when we're confident. But what does it actually take to do that? Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt had a, had a quote. She said, if you want to handle yourself, use your mind. If you want to handle others, use your heart, right? So if you're empowering others, it, it, you're moving beyond your own self-awareness, which is critical. Um, and you're working with others, the, the idea is that you've got to connect with them, engage with them from an authentic and open heart, 
Okay, now it's not about your intellect. It's about your ability to hold them without judgments. What you said at the beginning of your show, you know, people want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to matter. And that's, a, and when that's authentic, it's coming from your heart. Mm-hmm. And so connecting with others with that open and authentic uh, and compassionate heart allows them to feel safe. They're not feeling judged. They're not feeling like when the music stops, there's one less chair and they're going to get caught. They're feeling like they're here because you want them to be here and they matter and you see them. And so they show up with their best. So empowering others is really helping them to show up at their best. But what does it take? It takes connecting with them in an engaged and open heart from you to them, creating safety so that they can show up with excitement and passion. Isn't that beautiful? And you know, it's true that validation of, I see you, I hear you and you matter. You know, what is, why do we, Elazar, why do we, I, I hesitate to say the word need because we don't really need to do anything. For me, I, I understand the simplicity of life is to live, but what, what, what is the benefit from empowering others in our own life when we empower others? What, is, what benefits do we get from that? Well, I mean, what you're doing is you're creating a system. You've got to start off with the understanding that we're all part of the system. No matter how reclusive we may be, we live in a very interdependent world. So we're not absent or unaffected by other people's actions. You see this in, in the, the climate change. You know, you may be living in America, but somebody's doing something in China. So we're definitely, and especially with the digital revolution and the global economy, the interdependence of all things is just hard to argue with. So if you start from that standpoint and you go, okay, what somebody else does will affect me. So how much can I benefit when somebody else is doing something that is much more um, inclusive and, and socially responsible and thinking of the whole? How much more beneficial is that to me? And what can I do for the other person to do that? Mm. Well, what I can do is reduce their sense of surviving, reduce their sense of fear and self-protection. Because if I can do that, then they'll come up from their best. And when you come from your best, this is just my personal belief. When you come from your best, and you come from a place where you're authentically connected to your true intentions, you will do the right things and the good things. That is our natural state. It gets corrupted along the way and fear may take over and we just need to protect ourselves. But in our natural state, we are inclusive and giving and compassionate and caring, right? So if you empower somebody else in an interconnected world, you help them come from their best, and then from their best, they're going to be much, be much smarter and skillful in what they do in ways that affect you and everybody around that. Absolutely. You know, it's the whole thing. For every action, there's a reaction. For every cause, there's an effect. Mm-hmm. So if we, yeah. if we empower others, we empower ourselves. It's like the boomerang effect. But I'm going to throw this to you, Joe. What does it mean to ignite positive change? Yeah, wow. So, I, I get, you know, Elizabeth and you were kind of easing into that with the understanding of the interdependence of all people, things. So the idea here is that, if, you know, oftentimes when we think of trying to change the world or change even an organization or a community or whatever, we think we go out there and try to make something happen and push things around. 
But this whole approach is fundamentally coming from a different place. And that is the, the recognition that because I'm already part of everything, if I change, everything is subtly changed, right? So we start, and, and not only that, but if I really want to promote change, then I really need, can, need to go as deep as possible into transforming myself. So if I transform myself into a, a much more positive being, then I'm going to bring that into everything I do, every communication, every interaction, every, you know, uh, every decision. And, and that's going to kind of have ripple effects, as you say. And the whole idea is that, you know, we do this not just uh, by accident, but intentionally. Like we start to recognize that one of the most powerful ways we can make change in the world around us is to be the change we, we, we want to see, right? Yeah. And, and, that, and, and, to the, and to the extent that we can, we can really be that being who's coming from a place that's not based in fear, that's based in, a, in deep care for one's, one's own happiness and well-being, but also for, for all of us, because we're all in the same boat. And if we can really come from that place, then, then I think we really start to have the energy it takes to influence others and toward positivity and to help slowly make something really different happen, not just sort of make a rearrange the deck chairs in the Titanic, but actually make right. a fundamental course correction, right? We have to be, in a, you know, coming from a different like GPS as it were, a different, different orientation. Yeah. You know, you just had me think about when someone screams iceberg ahead, pay attention. <laughs> They're helping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to take a quick break just to catch our breath and the moment and let everyone who's listening just digest what we're talking about because there's so much that we're talking about. I just want to remind you, if you miss any part of the show, you can go to latalkradio.com backslash max. You could pick it up there. And then obviously on all podcasting platforms, we're going to be there. So this is a life class. When we come back, we're going to talk about the words boundless leadership. And I also want to start dissecting the word fear. And the, the quote I'm going to leave you with before this song, and then when we come back, we'll talk more, is change doesn't change until you change. And do you want to change? Those are the questions we're going to ask when we get back. My guests are Joe and Elazar, the book Boundless Leadership. Right now, one of my favorite friends is going to just ease us into a really cool space right now of of a nice energy, Velvel Murga, from my friend Nandaji, right here now on Max and Friends. Stay tuned. We're going to be back in less than two minutes.
This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Uchi. Welcome back. We're talking about the book, Boundless Leadership. That was Nandaji, the song, Vel Vel Muriga. We needed that moment just to be. Be present, be still, mm. and know. Be present, be still, and know. I love music. It is a mood changer. It is one of the things that brings me great joy in my life. So, Joe, I ask you the question. If you could pick one song that would describe your life, what would that song be? Well... You know, I guess I love, I'm somebody who loves uh, uh, folk uh, music, traditional music, um, certainly Amazing Grace and, and uh, mm. you know, some, some of those uh, shape note hymns from the Appalachian world. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what comes to mind right now. Beautiful. That's great. And Elazar, what about you? What song would you would describe your life? Mm. Well, Maybe more my aspiration in my life, very classic rock and roll, um, you know, stairway to heaven. <laughs> I love it. You know, That's what we all love. Finding my right? way there, baby. Finding my way there. Yeah. Exactly. So before we played the song, we were talking about the book, Boundless Leadership. We got into the title. And Elazar, what does boundless leadership mean to you? Uh, great question. Um you, you know, Max, most of us uh, live our lives where our future is really a trajectory of our past. You know, we try to make some incremental changes and, and shifts here and there, but we're still pretty much carrying our belief system, our worldview that we had when we were kids and just have pretty much validated it along the way. So. If that's one way that we live our lives, boundless leadership is kind of sh shifting that and says your future is not really just a trajectory of your past. Your, your future is a trajectory of your potential. So take the, the present and really find your, your way to access your potential. That's there. You don't need to learn more, more skills, how to speak better. Forget all that access your potential and through that access you know create your future from that place not from the one of your past with all your limiting beliefs so balanced leadership is really a future created by your potential mm -hmm. and joe what does boundless leadership mean to you well i guess you know i thank you Elzar, for that that was very sweet uh you know my take on the boundless part in this case is we're not, no, no person is an island, right? So we are, everything we do is connected to others. We live, breathe, eat, drink, think, sleep. You know? <laughs> and so to the extent that we're all, uh, you know, moving in a, uh, in a direction that's based on fear and, and uh, you know, hurt, anger, trauma, you know, collective trauma, whatever, uh, we're really starving ourselves of the of the possibilities that we could have as a as a people, as a as a, a society, as civilization, a, a world. So the balanced potential I see is all of us doing what Elazar is describing. All of us, not just thinking about our own personal trajectory, but thinking about where we could go collectively. What what kind of world could we create if we really aligned ourselves with what we're fully capable of as humans? And, and fully capable of in community because we all starving for community. 
but we, we, we give it almost no thought. We're all giving thought to our own little person, personal pie, piece of the pie. And the, and the, and the, mm. the, the pie is, is, you know, uh, you know, is, is all, is all used up and there's no place for all of us to come together in, in a beautiful way or in a meaningful way. And, and that's really the, the, another dimension of boundless that I think we could really transform. We need to transform uh, our yeah. way, our way of living together. Absolutely. You know, there's a wonderful documentary. I don't know if either of you have seen it. It's called The Biggest Little Farm. And it's actually what inspired me mm -hmm. to buy this farm up here that I'm in now and how every single thing has purpose, whether it's the snails, the earthworms, the coyote, the owls, the hawks, the ducks, the fish, the cows, every single thing has purpose. And when you watch this documentary, listeners, you'll really understand that you have a purpose too. And that part of your purpose is to have this boundless leadership. It's part of your nature. It's already in you. Alan Watts once said that in the landscape of spring, there is nothing better nor worse. The flowering branches grow naturally, some long, some short. No one judges. And all of a sudden, here we are judging. We have leaders that are judging. So, Elazar, mm -hmm. how do we get our leaders to shift into the thriving mentality to be a boundless leader? How do we encourage them to do that? Well, so there's the encouraging them and then there's the training them. So in the mm -hmm. encouraging them, it's an understanding that even though, um, you know, many of my clients um, are successful and they've gotten there with a very uh, strict and rigorous inner critic. So when we come to a point of shifting the relationship with their inner critic, uh, you know, they have uh, different ways of saying the following. Well, I don't know because my inner critic is what has driven me to success. I don't know how I'll even get out of bed if I don't have my inner critic pushing me. So the understanding comes from the, uh, the idea that being pushed by fear, I have to succeed or I'll be excluded. Or, you, you know, if I don't succeed, I'll definitely be shamed. That kind of energy can drive you, but it's limited. It's the energy of survival. And thriving is, is the energy of being boundless, is understanding that you're coming from a place of, of passion and, and true authentic uh, confidence. Right. So when you understand that how far you can go and how much more sustainable it is to come at it from not from a place of fear and survival, but from a place of compassion, caring, connectedness and passion, then yeah. you, people start listening to, yeah, I'd like that. How is that possible? So then we come to the not just the understanding, but the but the training. And this is really what Joe and I have um, spent, you know, uh, the idea of boundless leadership and the program that we have, we've been putting that together, it started maybe over 10 years ago. And the content of it hasn't changed that much because the fundamental principles in the science are the same. They haven't changed yeah. in 10 years, but, but our articulation has gotten more and more refined because we want people to actually make the change. So beyond the understanding comes the training. And so what we have in balanced leadership that Joe mentioned earlier is it, it goes after the whole person. It goes after the discipline of mind, it goes after the discipline of heart, and it goes after the discipline of body. Because if you can optimize each of these, 
and then integrate them together at their best, well, you're going to be a boundless leader. So that's Mm. the promise. And how we get there is very methodical. Um, So you have in these disciplines, they each have a trait. You know, for example, in the in the discipline mind, it's a trait of self-awareness. But you need a competency because the trait, your default system, takes some time. So work at it piece by piece. And here's the competency, for example, in mind is clarity. But even uh-huh. to have a clarity of mind is not our habituated way of being. That's not how our mind actually is. So then we have the four qualities that are related to each competency. And each quality has a particular practice that is connected. So it's very precise. What Uh kind of meditation or what kind of practice you want to do to develop that quality of a clear mind. So after you do Uh these four practices around the four qualities, you start becoming, you know, well-versed in having Uh self-awareness and clarity. And then there's an application you can use with this new skill. Uh, In this case, it would be aligning intentions as an example. Each of the three disciplines are, you know, created the same way. Um, So that methodical and very precise way of changing your conditioning, not just the soft wire conditioning, but even the hard wire conditioning that you come into the world with, you start changing. And then when you put it all together, you you've transformed uh, who you are. Yeah, the transformation is possible. My guests right now are the authors of the book Boundless Leadership. Jim, do this free. Well, it's real in the sense that we all struggle with it for sure, and it's there for for eons of evolution. It, it served us uh, to alert us to danger. Um, the problem is we have also, um, you know, been wired through all those um, eons of, of survival from one. Uh, form to another with a what we call a negativity bias, which is you know say five to ten times, and in some studies as much as a hundred times, we exaggerate the meaning, significance, importance, and reality of negative things. And by by you know on the other on the flip side, we underestimate the the, the meaning, truth, reality, and and, and you know a, a positive thing. So that's part of this is part of why we're so stuck in survival mode. We come wired that way. Now, we know because of neuroplasticity and because we know that our brains have also built in capacity to stop worrying, right? Um, uh-huh. We all ha- we have enormous potential to, to, to switch this thing off and switch into thriving mode, but if the potential doesn't, that doesn't get worked naturally. That's why we need these trainings because, uh-huh. you know, basically we're, we're wired to sort of lean into the danger. And to sort of hold on to, you know, how when you feel frightened, the first thing you want to do is cling, right? So our, our nervous systems in fear want to cling to fear. And mm-hmm. what we need to do is give them permission through, you know, learning how to take care, better care of ourselves and reassure ourselves and, and help ourselves ease out of those fears and shift into more positive states and get used to those positive states and develop those positive states. We need to we need to actually flip the switch through practice, right? It's sort of like you know, there's a one of my favorite movies is is uh, you know, uh, uh, 2001, you know, um, and and where you have the uh, you know the how the supercomputer is is killing everybody on board because he thinks uh, you know there's something wrong with the mission, 
Um, and 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 Dave has to go in, and the last the, the wake the, the living astronaut has to go in and dismantle Dave, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of what we need to do with our survival system and our security systems and and our fear network. We we mm-hmm. really need to know that it's actually off, it's wrong, and you know it doesn't mean that occasionally our fears don't don't prepare us to to face reality or whatever. But overall, we just have a very unhealthy diet of way too much, and we hold we hold it much too we close. Do. And, it, and it runs our life, you know? It does. You know, it's time to disrupt the patterns and pathologies. I always say this because it's true. You know, we're taught things, and it's our. I believe it's part of our process in life to kind of unlearn everything we were taught so we can re- we can reprogram ourselves into living mm-hmm. our lives and revisioning ourselves and redreaming ourselves. What we're taught yeah. not unnecessarily was right. Um, we've got to wrap this up. So in wrapping up, I'm going to ask you real quickly, Joe, if you can just, I have a, a note here to ask you about um, our evolutionary tipping point. What does that mean? Give them, a, give them just a, 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 t- a tidbit of it so they can get the rest from the book. <laughs> so the whole idea is that we have been leaning, the tipping point has to do with whether we're leaning into survival and fear or we're leaning into trust, well-being, connection. And so the point is that throughout our survival uh, and, and our human history, not only have we biologically leaned in, our nervous systems have leaned into danger, but our, most of our societies focus on the other's fear of the other or, or danger, you know, fear of an enemy or, or scarcity or whatever. And the point is now that we're at a, a place in human history where we can't afford to do this anymore. We really need to start really not living in scarcity and start really learning how to how to thrive in abundance and how to care for and nurture each other. And that tipping point is really the world, you know, globally united. We need now we've sort of survived all the all you know all the uh, obstacles. Now we're busy killing off the world, <laughs> so we need to really make that 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 switch to where we know we're safe, we've made it, we've survived, and now we need to tap into all of our capacities for thriving. And we need to all do that together as a planet because we're all in it together. Yeah, no, thriving is possible. We've got to do our work. That's what it comes down to. We've got to do our work. So speaking of doing our work, the website for the book is boundlessleadership.com. I'm sorry, boundlessleadershipbook.com. And for the Nalanda Institute, you can go to Instagram there and also on Facebook and Twitter. And um, tell us about how we can find the Nalanda Institute. What is the website? It's a Nalanda Institute, N-A-L-A-N-D-A Institute.org, mm-hmm. right? So that's Not our work. website and all of our programs are there and stuff on the book and. Perfect. The programs to do our work. <laughs> the programs right, to do our work. I encourage you all to do your work. Start, yeah. Start by, start by buying the book. That's one place to start because that's a wonderful place to start is reading, expanding the mind, boundless leadership, the breakthrough method to realize your vision, empower others, and ignite positive change. Elazar, what is it that you want people to take with them into this next moment? I think everything you said, Max, change is possible. It's up to us to do it. Anybody who puts in the effort will get there. You need to be patient, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And Joe, what do you want people to take with them into this next moment? Well, to really 
you know, think about their full potential to stop surviving and really ask themselves why, you know, what, and, and can I totally change the game here? You know, mm. um, because we have, we have so much more potential than we're using in any one moment. And uh, we need to really know that we need to stop uh, just moving forward on autopilot. Yeah. We are on autopilot. It's time to, uh, to either step on the brake or step on the gas, <laughs> whichever it is. To do. Maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you need to speed up. Whatever it is, it's up to you to do it. I'm going to leave you with this. Alan Watts, I love this quote. It's one of my favorites. It says, man suffers only because he takes seriously what the gods made for fun. Have some fun this week. Take some, take some time to have some fun. And if it starts with, with re-envisioning yourself or re-dreaming yourself, start with that. It's up to you to be that person that you want to be. Michael Jackson said it best. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm going to start with myself today. And I thank you both, Joe and Elazar, for joining me on Max and Friends. We got to wrap this up. It's been fun having you here. I appreciate you both. And to all of those who are listening tonight, I want you to know this for sure. I hear you. I see you. And you matter. And on top of all of that, I love you for tuning in to Max and Friends. Good night and good karma. Until next time, tweet me at Max Tucci, Instagram at Max Tucci. And remember to take life to the max. I'm your host, Max Tucci, for Max and Friends. Great show, guys. Thank you so much. Take care, Max. Thank you so Thank much, you. Max. Take care. Wrap Bye it up, everybody. Sam.